0: This podcast is brought to you by Yostmark Mountain Equipment, offering expert advice on gear for powder in the backcountry, located at the corner of Ski Hill Road and 3rd Street in Driggs. And by the Pink Garter Theatre, housing Jackson's only classically inspired craft cocktail lounge alongside a landmark theatre turned live music venue, located at 50 West Broadway in Jackson. I'm Scott Stunts and you're listening to Get Out the Podcast from the Teton Valley News. Today, a first for us. We're working on a new partnership with the Pink Garter over in Jackson. So if you're the first person to email editor at tetonvalleynews.net, you'll win two tickets to see Steve Earle live at the Pink Garter in Jackson on Monday, June 16th. All right, let's get started. Usually, when you hear of a hiker or kayaker missing in the backcountry for several days, his vehicle found abandoned, the story does not have a happy ending. But for Scotty England, that's not the case. He was found alive and well after eight days on the Grovant River. Actually, his story is really not one of survival, just bad communication. Today on Get Out the Podcast, solitude and the responsibilities that go along with it. After staying with well-known Jackson dog sledder Frank Teasley, England headed into the backcountry. Here we go.
1: You know what? I already explored the whole back and, and boated pretty much from Durant down the Snake River and four of the tributaries. So I'm going to head up to the Grovant River and explore that area. So I was on my bicycle. I, I had taken the bus from Salt Lake City, uh, just me and my bicycle and my backpack with, with all my pack rafting gear. And my plan was just to spend the next two months Uh, living off off of my bicycle, uh, pack rafting the area. So I made my way up to the Grovant, the Kelly Warm Springs. And I didn't really have much of an itinerary. uh, And that was kind of what spurred this whole search and rescue thing because I'm kind of used to winging it. And I kind of worry my family a bit and friends and such. So anyway, I was winging that and I parked my bicycle, um, yeah. Yeah. at Kelly Springs. I had no idea that it was like part of the national park because it kind of looked like, I guess the land around it was, we reac- reacquisitioned agricultural land. So it didn't kind of, it didn't look like national parks area, but, but I, I, uh, locked up my bike there and, uh, decided I, I had, like, left the camping gear that I didn't need inside my little bicycle trailer and took my backpack and sleeping gear, and I took two weeks' worth of food with me because, I mean, I thought maybe I'd be gone for, you know, up to a week, up to around a week, and I had let people know I'd be gone for around a week, but I wasn't really specific about it or anything. <laughs> so, uh yeah, I... I took two weeks worth of oatmeal. That's all I ate for for the eight days. Was flavored oatmeal packets. <laughs> but I mean, I I get used to it. My strategy has been to carry most of my food supply on my belly. Like uh, I start like I started doing a uh, different explorations on my bicycle this spring, and I. I think I lost like 30 pounds in two months just on the oatmeal diet. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs>
0: what flavor was it?
1: Oh, uh, it was a whole mixture of flavors. It was like everyone, everything there. <laughs> that and multivitamins so, and dirty river water bleached. <laughs> Put two drops of bleach inside a quart of water, and that's what you drink.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> So, how long did it take you to go down the uh, on?
1: It took me uh, four days. It was four days of paddling. So, it was a four-day hike up. Like, the first day and a half I hitched a ride with three different people and then spent the next two and a half days hiking up the canyon and through the wilderness. It was really slow going because, you know, it was May and there was lots of mud and lots of snow and lots of fallen timber and lots of uh bear footprints and wolf footprints it was pretty cool. because back in Utah, you don't see too many of that. So it was a four day of the weather cuz it rained like almost every single day. And especially like paddling back, I had to do a lot of uh, scouting the river because you know it was running really high. There's fallen timber in the steep river and rapids. And so you had to be, like, really careful just to make sure you don't get swept into obstacles like falling trees and whatnot. And so it took four days, a good four days, to, go, to get back. The last day I made a really good time because some of the different tributaries came in and the water was really high. Like, I put in... at The river was flowing at 100 CFS, and I put in, and... Where I took out, it was flowing at 3,000 CFS. So it was an amazing trip. (laughs) I went through different climate zones. Like I started up in the alpine area where there's lots of snow. And then you get down and it goes through like some meadows and it sounds like desert. And then you go back into the trees and stuff. Uh, By the time you make it down to Lower Slide Lake. So it was pretty great
0: adventure. So when did you know that people were looking for you?
1: You know, uh, I didn't know, like, until, like, I saw a helicopter overhead. I, I had a feeling, like, a few days before I, I got to where I saw the search and rescue. Uh, you know what, I've been gone for a while. I, I wouldn't be surprised if people were out looking for me or my bike was confiscated by some government agency or something. It's like, okay, I better just make it back. <laughs> so I I tried to quickly head back and then got down to the lower slide lake, which it was pretty much where I was going to take out anyway. And there was this uh, helicopter. It was piling in the middle of the lake and it was like bank- doing banking circles around me overhead. And kept on circling. I'm like, what in the world? That must be search and rescue. So they landed and motioned me to the shore, and they said, hey, you know, everyone is out looking for you. There's, like, a team with search and rescue dogs and people in vehicles and kayakers looking for my body in in some rapid on the river. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing.
0: I was going to say, what was your reaction when you when you learned about the search parties?
1: Oh... My reaction was, like, oh, shit, I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I worried people. And so I felt pretty bad about that. Uh, but, I mean, I was I was perfectly, like, comfortable because I'm an outdoorsman. And I camp out a lot. So I didn't really have any problems out there. So I wasn't, like, relieved to, to see them. It was just, like, oh, no. <laughs> so...
0: What was the reaction of your friends and family when they found that you were okay?
1: Oh, they were they were really glad. Uh, especially my mom. I I used one of the search and rescue members' cell phone to call my mom and let her know that I was okay <laughs> and everything. But they were glad. My dad and my brother drove up from Salt Lake City to help with the rescue. My brother had broke. A number of ribs in an accident a couple days before. Oh no! And but he but he was still you know he got up the intestinal fortitude to drive up with my dad to uh, to look for me. So
0: was there anyone who was maybe a little bit uh, aggravated that you that you were okay or not that you were okay but that you just didn't uh, maybe let people know of your itinerary before you went off on your trip?
1: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's people aggravated, but they've been pretty nice. If they were, they had they didn't let me know. Because <laughs> there were there were some kayaker friends that drove up to Utah or from Utah to to Wyoming to look for me, and so you know I post I try to contact people and thank them for for the concern and let them know that sorry I try to do things different. <laughs> So I felt bad about that.
0: Because you were saying that you kind of, you know, the you kind of fly by the seat of your pants, you know, don't have a, a, a really set plan a lot of times. Do you think that this will change that tendency of yours?
1: Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of things I'll do differently, like regularly checking in with my family. And also uh, I'm going to get... Before I go out on another long adventure like that, I'm going to get the Spot Personal Locator, which is a beacon you carry and sends GPS signals up to satellite every hour, and then that relays that information to to your family or friends and the personal computer and they track your progress as you go.
0: So when you were going into the Grovant, did you have any idea that you know a search party in a in a Facebook group of all of your friends would form uh, as a result of your trip down the river
1: no, I didn't find out about that until until afterwards until my brother and my dad like picked me up and and I was dealing with the search and rescue I didn't really know on the river
0: so is was there a you know, was it just kind of like a a thing where you didn't think it was that much of a major deal? Like, was was uh, was it a conscious choice not to check in before you went down the grove or Or you just thought that? I mean, was it basically the bicycle that touched off the the search for you?
1: Yeah, it was the bicycle because uh, what happened is I guess a few days into my trip, the park service had uh, had confiscated my bicycle. And somehow Mr. Keyes got wind that they had confiscated a bike on the by Kelly Warm Springs. And he figured that was me. And so he was concerned and asked for search and rescue. And also on my cell phone, I had a cell phone that I was using because I didn't get cell phone service, so I left on my bike, in my bike trailer. And the authorities called a contact on my phone, which was a friend of back home, and he helped. To organize France from Utah to come up, and so like it might seem like really irrational. Probably, I mean, it's really irrational to like not let people know like my exact itinerary or not have one. It's just the way I. I guess it's just the way I've been for a long time. Like, like I am kind of a loner, and I. Uh, I'll, I've got a history of just going off on, on trips by myself and not calling or talking to any, you know, friends or family for like a month or more at a time. So it's just, uh, I think it's just because of like social anxiety and stuff like that. But it's good to know that people care about you. So
0: Is it going to maybe change the experience of your trips like this? You know, if you do, you know, if you are wearing a spot, if you are checking in regularly, is there something that maybe you're going to lose, you know, from the kind of trip that you're doing now?
1: You know, you mean like checking in and stuff?
0: Yeah, is it going to What gonna... would I lose from? Yeah, is it going to kind of change? I think,
1: yeah, I I uh, don't know. I I just I like my freedom. <laughs> and I just uh you know, when you're when you're a bicycle tourist like I am, I don't have a vehicle. I just I've been commuting by bicycle for the past 10 years and traveling by bicycle. So it's actually really hard to have an exact itinerary. So it just I guess it's just going to take more, more planning, and maybe if I have a more strict itinerary, it might just, like, prevent my choices of where I want to go and explore. So, I mean, but what I'd like to do is actually get a satellite cell phone eventually so that I can just keep my family updated the changes in my itinerary and such.
0: I was going to say, does your family kind of understand your, your choice of recreation, you know, to take off on these longer trips?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, like uh, my parents understand my love for nature and, and solitude because uh, I mean, like my dad's always had a dream to, to go off and build some cabin up and, the remote mountains and and be self-sufficient and stuff like that. And we've grown up camping and such, so they have an idea. <laughs> they understand.
0: Do you think that uh, as you get older, you'll keep doing these kind of trips? Or like in five years, can you see yourself still, you know, wanting to get lost for a little bit and, you know, just have a kind of adventure like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to expand my adventures, and I want to get experienced enough to be able to take groups with me to guide through the wilderness. I'd love to have a, you know, like a career or just a volunteering charity thing where I take groups with packrafting equipment and go packrafting through the wilderness with me. And I'd love to do longer trips, too. Like, I'd love to do, like, a six-month-long pack rafting trip across Canada or something. So I, I plan on getting more into this.
0: I remember, uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I've heard that, you know, there was a an outdoorsman who said that, you know, in our current society where we have, you know, GPSs and cell phones and you kind of know where you are all the time, that, getting lost is almost like a privilege uh-huh. nowadays. Does that at all maybe resonate with you? Yeah,
1: privilege. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess a little bit, I, I, I like the idea of adventure and challenge and getting lost and having things go wrong kind of makes you a stronger person. And it uh, gives you stories and it gives it increases your skills so yeah i think that that aspect of getting lost and having a little epic is adds a lot of value to wilderness
0: adventure scotty thank you very much for uh talking to me i really appreciate it you're welcome cool i'm glad you're okay and i'm gonna say i uh, look forward to reading about some of your adventures in the future
1: thank you very much
0: thank you to scotty england for talking to me today and for the pink garter for those two free tickets the music on today's show came from extra extra and was used under the creative commons license i'm scott stunts thanks for listening